Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, once again, we have our guest speaker, Pastor Carl Moore, back with a message entitled, Praise as a Weapon. And now let's join Pastor Carl in Ephesians chapter 6. Actually, the same verse we talked about last week, but we're going to be going into a whole other aspect of uh, what we're talking about here in, in, the, in the spiritual warfare topic here. Ephesians 6.11, as a reminder, you guys probably have it memorized by now, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies and tricks of the devil. And last week we were focusing on what are the strategies and tricks of the devil. And we went into to length talking about who Satan is, what caused him to fall from heaven, pride and wanting to be like God or be like the Most High, and what that's all about. And what are the lies and the things that he uses against us to trick us because he wants to take us down with him. He knows that he already fell, but he wants to pull us down as well. So we talked about that, but what we're talking about tonight, this evening, is actually the opposite. It's that Satan has tricks, he has lies, he has, he has strategy, he has power, he has his weapons that he uses against us. But what we're going to talk about tonight is one of the weapons that we can, in turn, use against him. That God hasn't just left us alone here on this earth to just say, well, the devil's strong and you're going to get beat up, so tough luck. But he said, oh, no, you know what? I've given you weapons to fight back. I've given you armor, which we're going to be getting into in a few weeks, but I've also given you offensive weapons. You know, it says put on the armor of God, and that's all defensive. Oh, Lord, let me put on this, let me put on this. It's kind of in the defensive mode. But God also says, you know what? You also have weapons. You're also allowed and authorized and empowered to fight back when the enemy comes at you. And two of the biggest things that, that God has given us later on in, in verse um, 17 and 18, it's going to talk about the two biggest weapons, the mo most powerful weapons that are available to us are the word of God and prayer. And here's what 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4 says. We are human, but we don't wage war with human plans and methods. We use God's mighty weapons, not mere worldly weapons, to knock down the devil's strongholds. So in other words, he's saying, God has given each of us as Christians strong, mighty, powerful weapons to fight back. So we should never feel like, wow, I just, I'm just going to get beat up and I'm just going to try to stand strong. And, well, the armor is just defensive for defensive purposes. No, we don't have to cower and be like just scared and put up our shield. But we're also allowed to fight back. And there's one way that we can fight back that's really effective. And that's what we're talking about tonight. And that's through our praise. That's just praising God, getting the focus off of ourselves and saying, you know what? I serve someone bigger who's mightier than whatever the enemy's trying to throw at me right now. But... And going back to some of the weapons that, that Satan uses, because he's shrewd, right? It says, we read last week in Genesis 3, that he was the serpent, which is Satan, was the shrewdest of all the creatures that God had created. And I looked up the word shrewd, because I, I kind of knew what it meant, but here's what it means. Shrewd means someone who's very skillful, discerning, crafty, wise, that they're penetrating, they know how to get to the root of the matter, they know how to push the buttons. And so what we're, what we're dealing with here is an enemy that isn't a pushover. If he can do war against the other angels in heaven and give them a pretty good battle, 
but then still the, the angels win. Of course, God's team is mightier. But just for it to be called a battle, just for it to be called spiritual warfare, means that it's not like, oh, we can just rebuke him and he'll just totally leave, leave us alone. It takes work. It takes the right attitude. It takes us being concentrated in our efforts. And when we rebuke him, we have to stand in the mighty power that God gives us. It's not just such a simple thing. The devil isn't dumb. He's not always going to hit you from all the obvious sides that you're expecting. Like, oh, he's, he's going to make me do it. We were talking about this in my youth mini church the other night. And I said, now, how many of you guys think the devil is pretty smart? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm pretty smart. I got God in me and stuff. I'm like, yeah, but, but do you think the devil is pretty smart and crafty? Well, I guess so. I'm like, think about it. And the kids were, were thinking of instances. And I said, think about it. The devil doesn't come at you with something that's so obvious where, like, someone would come up to you and say, hey, why don't you come over here with me? Let's, let's go kill this guy. I mean, and you're going to go, Oh, sure. And you're not going to fall for it because it's so obvious, right? That's just ridiculous. Like, you asked me to kill someone. I know that's wrong. That's so easy. I'll just say no to that. See, the devil's not that dumb. He doesn't work at it at that angle. What leads to murder in people's lives, you know, people that are murderers out there, it's not something like that. It's something that starts with a little lie. Because remember, Satan is the father of all lies. And what he starts off with is, you really don't like that person over there. You know what? In fact, you hate him. You know what? In fact, why don't you go get him back? Why don't you do something really bad to them? Oh, what's, no, think of something worse. What's the worst thing you could do to them? No, worse than that, worse than that. You really hate this person. They deserve it. All of these little lies that Satan starts telling, father of all lies, lie, 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 lie. It builds up to the point someone goes out and murders someone. And see, we think, oh, I can avoid Satan, but Satan isn't always obvious, like, just go do this. It starts with these little tricks, these little lies. He tells us these little lies that are just seeds planted in our heads or our hearts. Um, some of the lies are like the, the make you feel good lies. Like, oh, drugs, try this. This is really good. Alcohol, have another one, have another one. All of these little subtle things that it's the make you feel goods. Well, I deserve it. Oh, I, I can just go sleep around with whoever I want. It doesn't really, it's all about me. The make you feel goods. All those little lies that the devil's telling you. Do this, it'll make you feel good. Instant gratification. It's going to be good. It's going to be worth it. Even the things that we do, cheating, stealing, lying, giving into anger, all of that, it's self-satisfying. And it's the little lie that says, it's good to be angry right now. You know, how many of you guys, when you're just really angry and you're in the middle of it, you kind of like being angry? You ever think about that? Like, I, I have to admit it. Sometimes you get angry and that feeling just feels like, I want to be mad right now. No, don't try to talk me out of this. I'm, I'm mad. You know, you, you enjoy it because it's like, oh, there's so much in me right now. Don't take that away from me. I got to, I want to, let me hit something. Let me yell at someone. You know, you guys ever feel that way? Or is it just me who's the only sinner in this room here? <laughs> you get mad and you just want to stay there. And no one, well, let me pray for you. You're like, oh, okay. You know, it's, you want to be mad. And that's the little lie that says, you deserve it. Someone made you mad. You have every right to stay mad and to do this and to take it out in a, in a rude or, or violent way. And so that's the little lies. That it's, all about, it's all about me. Some of the lies that he gives us is the, you know, no one's going to find out about this. You're not going to hurt anybody else. You can get away with it. There's that show on TV on cable. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. It's like just a ridiculous show on TV. It's called Diary of an Affair. Have you guys ever seen that show? I don't even know what channel it was on. I was flipping through, and it's like Diary of an Affair. And I'm like, what is this? And I watch it, and it's, like, it's kind of like a weekly show, I guess, or something that analyzes different people who have had affairs and how they got away with it and tricked their spouse and then what happens when the spouse catches them and all this. I'm just going, this is on TV just encouraging people out there to think that they can get away with this kind of stuff. I'm just like, what kind of a world do we live in where they're just almost glorifying people having affairs? But it's that same kind of little sin 
That little lie that the father of all lies, Satan, he's not going to hit you with the obvious. He's going to hit you with the little, you can get away with it. You're not really hurting your spouse because they don't have to know. You can do it. Sneak around the back. You can do this kind of stuff. These are the little lies that he does with us. And what about the lies that just tell us, you know what, you deserve it. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm sitting around on my day off and there's no waves or I can't find anybody to go hang out with or something and I'm just sitting around bored, there's this little lie that says, go buy something, then you'll be happy. Go treat yourself to something. You guys ever get that little lie coming in at you? You know, it's like, go get something for the house or your car or, you know, justify it by saying it's going to bless the whole family or, you know, whatever, make you happier, you know, get you out of a depressive mode you're in. And it's that little lie that just says, no, if you just go waste all your money, you're going to be fulfilled. And what happens? You do waste your money. Everything goes up on credit. You go into debt and God's going, that's not my way. My way is be a good steward. Trust me and I'll give you the desires of your heart. I'll take care of you. Don't try to believe those little lies that are going to just ruin your life and take away all your money. But these, all of these different type of little lies that the enemy talks to us. What about the one, not just that you deserve it, what about the lie that says, well, someone else deserves it, whatever I'm going to do to them. They deserve it because they're wrong. And you justify it by saying, God, you know they're wrong, so I might as well be you know, your hand of justification here, and I'm going to go take it out, and I'm going to teach them a lesson. You know, when we were talking about Trevor, our 18-year-old worship leader, that's in a leader in our youth group. He's our, our 10.30 a.m. service worship leader, our youth worship leader. My dad told you guys what happened to him this past week. He got jumped for no reason in, in the, the parking lot in Kailua. Beaten up. He's in the hospital now. He just underwent surgery. And he's got screws in his face and four plates in his face. And mouth is all wired up and everything. And just, just brutal. But when you see something like that and you hear something like that, the lie instantly comes in that says, they deserve it. Go get the boys. Let's get some bats and let's go take some revenge. That's what happened to me when I saw Trevor. I was just blown away. I walked into his room that night and they said, oh, yeah, Trevor's room is right down there. I walked in and, oh, wait, am I in the right room? Who's this guy? Wait, that's Trevor's pants. Trevor? And I didn't even recognize him. And instantly, you know what came on me? Just oh, hatred. Who are these guys that would do this to my friend for no reason? They're, I know they're around somewhere right now laughing about this, drinking beers and bragging to their friends that they jumped these guys. Ha ha, funny. And I just said, let's get these guys. You know, let's go get them. I mean, there's the, there's the lie of the enemy that says they deserve it, so you're allowed to go do it. And it's like, you got to say, no, that's not the right thing. God doesn't want me to do that. But how easy is it for us to come into those little lies that aren't the obvious ones. They're the ones that jerk a hold of our heartstrings or pull us in those little directions. And he's the father of lies, and we got to... We've got to fight against that. Fight against the, the lies that say, blame God. This is God's fault. Something happens to you and you go, God, how could you let this happen to me? Why did you do this to me, God? And what's happening is the enemy just totally suckered you into your fighting against the wrong guy. He caused something to happen in your life and here you are fighting against God and he's just back there laughing. So the enemy uses all of his weapons. But what we're reading tonight is that God has given us weapons and that the Bible, the Word of God, is not just a weapon, Sometimes it's a weapon that you use when something's going wrong and you can just start quoting scriptures and it refocuses you and it fights against that. But sometimes you realize that the Bible is like a storehouse full of weapons. It's like walking in and saying, wow, look at all that's available to me. And one of the ways that we're going to look at, of one of the weapons we're going to look at tonight is praise. Let's open the Bible and look everywhere where it says in the Bible about praise and how praise combats the enemy's lies and what he's trying to say to you. But let's look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 28. Because it all starts, before we go into battle, it all starts with the proper attitude. Philippians 1, 28. This is talking about not being intimidated. 
Philippians 1.28 says, Don't be intimidated by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. And right here, Scripture is saying, you know what, from the get-go, going into this, here's the attitude you have to have. Before you even start fighting and all this, don't be intimidated. In other words, go into the battle, not just thinking or hoping, but knowing that you've already won the war. See, if you read the book of Revelation, you turn your Bible to the back, last page back there, you know that we win, right? We know. We can stand victorious and say, hey, you know what, we've already won the war. What we're going through now here on earth, it's just a series of little battles, of little confrontations, and it's testing our faith, and it's going to produce endurance and patience and character inside of us. But you know what? We won already. So let's go into battle with the right attitude. Because if you go into a fight, you know. If you go into a fight thinking, oh, no, I'm probably going to lose. Well, chances are you probably are. But if you can go into a fight thinking, I'm just going to do whatever it takes to win, and if I go down, I'm going down swinging then there's a good chance that you're going to come out of that fight victorious just because you have the right attitude. And so the Bible's telling us here, first of all, the attitude before you even go into warfare is don't even be intimidated. Let it be a sign to your enemy that he's going to be destroyed. Let him know what's going to happen if he tries to mess with you because who's your dad that's backing you up? Who's your heavenly father in heaven that's saying, I got you, don't worry about this. Let him know right up front that you're going to walk into it without getting intimidated. Because what happens when we get intimidated? When the enemy does something in our lives, we're having a rough day, tragedy strikes, something happens, you get in an argument, you get tempted, whatever, whatever the thing is that you, you, become, you become a target of Satan. Well, when you start to get intimidated and you start to fear and you start to go, oh no, he's, he's going to win, oh, he's really getting me good, what happens is you're unknowingly kind of stepping over onto his side and giving him glory and praise. And that's kind of a heavy thought to think, you're actually giving glory to Satan. Why are, you, why are you giving glory to Satan? Well, when the devil starts beating up on you and you go, oh man, you really got me good. Suddenly you're taking away all of this faith in God, all of this saying, I'm on the winning team. And you start going, wow, Satan, hey, high five, good one. You really got me. You start giving him glory. You start giving in. And he's just going, yep, that's right. Be scared. You're playing right into my hands. See, you actually start giving glory to the wrong side when you let intimidation and fear and confusion and doubt and all of that get the best of you. It's like, uh, I don't really trust God anymore. And wow, Satan, you're, you're, you're doing a good job. Hey, you're really messing me up. I'm scared. I don't want to live my life victoriously because, hey, you're doing a good job. And he's just going, he's eating it up going, yep, that's right. Give me more praise. Yeah, tell me how good of a job I'm doing in your life. And see, none of us want that. None of us want to give in to the intimidation. But if I were to even ask you guys right now tonight, talking about this intimidation, if I were to say like, do you think the devil and his evil spirits and his demons ever intimidates you? Do you think he does it consistently? You know, I asked myself this question. I thought, no, God, I don't, I'm not easily intimidated by the enemy. I'm a pretty strong Christian. I think I can handle it. There's not too many times where I get intimidated of living for you. And, you know, I'm not really too intimidated of the enemy. I'm like, maybe other people don't think that too. Because maybe some of us in here think, no, we're pretty solid. There's not too many attacks. Once in a while, I feel something from the enemy. But it's, it's not that often. I don't get intimidated. And I started praying. And I was laying on my bed the other day praying. And I said, you know what, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Tell me what it is that is intimidating thing. Can you show me some things that people are most commonly intimidated by? Because I almost am not sure about this myself. I think I'm not that intimidated. And instantly he goes, what about this? What about this? And here's some of the things that he, he gave me. I want to share them with you. That we see that the devil intimidates us in areas. 
is what about just this? As Christians, coming to church and singing out loud worship songs, closing our eyes, raising our hands, really entering into worship. See, some of us are just like, oh, my voice is bad, you know, I don't really want to sing, or oh, let's, you know, let's get on with the songs already, let me hear the message, or I don't have to come on time because, you know, whatever, they're just singing. And then where some of us are just like, oh, I'm too cool to sing, I don't want people looking at me, so I'm just going to you know, just kind of kick back and listen and nod my head and maybe clap, but I'm not really going to get too nuts and sing along, you know. But what that's saying right there is you're intimidated. The devil is intimidating you to worship your God. And see, when he started speaking to me these things, I started going, oh, I get intimidated of things a lot more than I thought. It's not just, it's not just the devil saying, boo, and I get scared, you know, that kind of stuff. But it's intimidation in all of these ways that we're, we're intimidated by him. And here's another one is, do you pray for every meal? that you partake in, even in public, or you just pray at home? Or are you someone that, that prays for people on the spot whenever they're in trouble, whether that be in the parking lot at Long's, in the middle of the mall, at school, at work, to a coworker? Someone comes to you and they're going, man, I'm going through a rough time in my marriage. And you go, oh, man, I'll pray for you later in my private room when no one's looking at me, and I promise I'll pray for you. Or are you someone that says, you know what, right now, let me pray for you. Let's lay hands. I believe God can work right now. Let's pray. I don't care. I'm not going to be intimidated. See, that's part of the intimidation. Someone calls you on the phone and, yeah, okay, I'll pray for you later. Bye. You know, why not stop right there and pray for them? doesn't matter who's watching you on the phone. See, these are things of intimidation. These are the things that the Holy Spirit was telling me. What about this? What about witnessing to friends, family, coworkers, or strangers? What about just witnessing? What about just sharing your faith in public? When's the last time you had someone that you invited brand new sitting next to you in church? When's the last time you brought someone to church that didn't know Jesus? Think about that. Intimidation. Oh, I'm, I'm kind of scared. Maybe I don't know enough. Maybe I'm not smart enough. Oh, maybe they're going to laugh at me or criticize me because I have this, this faith, this crutch. Well, you know what? Jesus is our crutch. People like point the finger, oh, Christianity is a crutch. It is. I'm glad I have it because the rest of you guys have no crutches and you're falling down all the time in the world. I have a crutch and that is Jesus Christ. He's my strength. But when is the last time you brought someone new to church? When's the last time you shared Jesus? You shared your faith? What about advertising for God? You know, I just went and bought one of those little uh, Jesus fishes back there to put on my car. And that's something that I've struggled with for a long time. And God told me, I want you to do it. And so I'm going to do it. The reason why is because I'm like, Oh, no, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't drive good enough, really. I don't want people knowing that I'm a Christian and stuff. You know, I'm kind of intimidated because I don't know if I can change my driving habits. And God's going, it's intimidation right there. You're letting the devil lie to you and push you around. Put that on your car, claim it, and live for me. So, okay, God. So I got one. I bought one. It's in my Bible right here tonight. I'm going to go put that on my new truck. But what about, like, the other things, that, the Christian T-shirts, putting scriptures up at work or something like that. You know, some people put screensavers or they put things by their computer or whatever. And sometimes we're embarrassed of those kind of things. Why are we embarrassed? Intimidation by the world, saying, you're scared to show your faith. Well, I look at all the t-shirts that people wear. Some people wear, I mean, they wear political statements on their shirts. There's swear words on their shirts. There's advertising for cars. There's advertising sports, you know. You advertise... You know, you wear a shirt with a label on it. Like I wear shirts, you know, surf shirts that says Billabong. This is the weird thing about this, too, that I don't understand is sometimes we advertise all these things. I advertise a shirt that says Billabong. And what is Billabong? Clothing manufacturer? So what am I advertising on my shirt? I'm advertising my shirt. 
right? Billabong, I'm advertising my shirt I'm wearing. It's like, I didn't get that. I'm trying to think about that one. But people wear all these weird things that advertise all of this stuff. Why can't you wear your Christian t-shirt out? You know, there's this one friend of mine that he got this shirt that we made for the youth group that says, vote for Jesus, right? This big bright green shirt with bright yellow letters. We made these for all the kids. And he goes, you know what? That's my new surfing shirt. Every time I go surfing, I want everybody in the water to know I'm going to wear that thing. I want them all to know that I'm a Christian. And I said, that's the attitude. Why is it that everyone can wear all of these other things, advertise and put, put all of this other stuff on their car windows, on their t-shirts, on their hats, all this stuff, and yet we put Jesus on there, or God, and people get offended, or we're scared. Oh, I don't, I don't want people to, to point the finger at me or judge me. Intimidation. Another area of intimidation in our life. What about... If you've ever thought about doing some type of a ministry, well, maybe I should go like serve at the church. Maybe I can go help out doing this, or maybe I could go on one of those mission trips to Japan, or maybe I could start a J group, or do this, or do that. Whatever it is, you want to step up and do something big for God, but you kind of get scared that maybe I'm not strong enough yet. Maybe I'm not spiritually holy and perfect enough yet. Maybe I'm not mature. Maybe if I step out for God, the enemy's going to attack me. Well, all of those little maybes, again, intimidation in your life. And see, when, when I was asking myself, God, I don't really get intimidated easy, and he starts throwing all this at me, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I do. So when Philippians is telling us, don't be intimidated. Don't give in to these lies. Don't give in to being this little wimpy Christian. But go in knowing that you're a winner, that you're going to be victorious in all that you say and do if you do it in my name. How about if you've ever been intimidated by sharing your faith because someone gets into an intellectual argument with you and they say, oh, where in the Bible does it say that? Oh, if God is like this, why does God do that? Oh, what is this? What is this? What is this? And then you just say, well, I don't want to share with anybody because I don't know what to say. And instead, God's just going, just share what he did in your life. Just share the power that he did in your life. Why are you intimidated? You don't have to have the whole Bible memorized. Just tell him, you know what? I was like this. God came into my life and now I'm like this. That, that's a better argument than anything you could try to prove in Scripture. No, the power of God is real. His word is awesome. It's amazing. It's the truth. But guess what? It proves itself by the work in my life, the power of my life. Don't be intimidated just to share about your life. You don't have to have this, this whole Bible, inner, you know, this whole thing memorized. Or what about the fact that sometimes we say, you know, God, I, I don't know if I want to share my faith because I might trip up once in a while and people are watching me and I might be a bad example of a Christian. So instead, what are we? We're no example at all because we don't even open our mouth about God at all. Instead of being a, an example that's kind of shaky and we're a work in progress like God expects us to be, we say, no, no, I don't, I don't want to be a bad example. So instead, I'm going to be no example at all. Zip my lip. I'm not going to say anything. And there's all those people out there that are, could have been led to knowing Jesus Christ through a kind of work in progress type of example. But instead, you want to be no example at all because intimidation. Don't let the, the devil intimidate you. When I went to the hospital this past week, there was a day that this reporter came from the Star Bulletin to interview Trevor, to interview his mom, to interview me about what he's going through and what happened in our church and everything like that. And I got to tell you, I was so blown away by Trevor's lack of intimidation by what the enemy had done here in his life and allowing, allowing him to get jumped and beaten severely and all this stuff. And this lady's in there asking him questions. And you know how reporters can be, you know? They're, they're trained to do their job. They're trained to get the story and the, the different angle and all this. And so she started questioning him a little bit about his faith. And I went, uh-oh, you know? Not just the story, but, oh, what, so what do you think about God in all this if he allowed this to happen to you? And, and the mom's kind of like, hey, where's this leading? And, you know, where's this going? And, he, and she just goes, 
oh no, I'm just, you know, I'm just asking because, you know, he works at the church and this and that. And Trevor goes, nothing. He doesn't have anything to do with it. God, I know that God has a plan for me and he's not going to take me out like this. He's got awesome plans for my life and he's going to use me in this situation. And I'm just like, yeah, Trevor, you know, he's not intimidated. All this happened to him. He has no blame for God. He's going, nope, God's got a plan for my life. This is just part of his plan in my life. And then she starts asking him uh, further and he starts talking about, she starts asking him, so what do you hope happens to the attackers that did this to you? He goes, well, I hope they get brought to justice. I hope they don't ever, I hope they learn a lesson that they don't ever go and do this to anybody else. But I hope they could come to find God in their life so that they wouldn't be like this anymore. And I'm just like, preach it, brother. You know, I'm just sitting back there against the wall. Like, just go, Trevor. You're just, you're doing fine. And he's just telling it like it is. And he's, he's in there and, and she's going, oh, so you're, you're sad. You're having a hard time. And you know, all these people are coming to visit you. And he goes, you know, it says in the Bible that we're a family of God and that God gives us one another. And he goes, you know, you never really realize it until something like this happens. He goes, I've had over 100 people come into my room in the past two days. And he goes, everybody just cares about me and loves me. And it is a family. And if you're a Christian and you belong to God, it's an amazing thing. And I'm just like, you know, you want my job, Trevor? I'll like step down. I mean, he's telling the reporter this. And I just thought, good for you, Trevor. You're not intimidated at all. 